Bitcoin, crypto bubbles, passive indexation. There's a lot of financial jargon out there. Old Mutual can help you make sense of it all and give you great advice to make the right decisions. If you've got a question or want to know how to get the most out of your money, call them on 0860 60 60 60 or speak to an old mutual financial advisor or your broker. Today's the day. Get great financial advice so you can do great things. Old Mutual is a licensed financial services provider. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield on 702, your number one news and talk station. The Money Show brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. We've got the Brutal Biz Quiz. We'll bring you some of the best bits from the week that was. And lots of you loved the conversation that we had with Basani Maluleke, the new chief executive at African Bank earlier this week. We'll bring you some of that plus more coming up on tonight's Money Show. We've got our market commentator, Gary McNamara, standing by to explain today's markets. Uh, we'll talk to Rob Davies, the Minister of Trade and Industry, in just a bit. And what happened with that Yes campaign? On Wednesday, mad panic and pandemonium. This government gazette, yes, campaign's going to die a death. And in the next 24 hours, the DTI changed its mind, changed some rules, and boom, yes, campaign is up and running and still doing fine. And then uh, Gay Davis has been to her first annual general meeting of a large company. She's standing by to talk to us right now. 702 The Money Show. Bruce is on Twitter at Bruce Business. The Money Show brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. Gay Davis from the Eyewitness News team. The AGM happened in Amsterdam today. I'm assuming you were there, Gay Davis. <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but they, they live-streamed it to Cape Town. And, I mean, many AGMs to which I've gone, have, uh, especially the, the contested ones, the fighty ones, the, the really difficult ones, have always been oversubscribed and have had people standing in the corridors outside. Today seemed to be a typically muted style for fair. It was incredibly muted. A lot more... And I certainly expected a lot more people. Uh, whether that's because Steinhoff shareholders are of a different kind or whether they just felt that they were quite happy with what they'd managed to send through to be voted for by proxies in Amsterdam uh, is, is open to question. But it was not a very uh, massively uh, well-attended uh, gathering. They used a small room in the International Convention Centre here in Cape Town, which has got very capacious venues. And everybody was incredibly calm. There was somebody here from the PIC, Bruce. Not a single question came from him. There, were, there was somebody else who I spoke to afterwards who's actually a small investor. He's sort of person like me. You know, he's got a preservation fund that has suffered somewhat from exposure to Steinhoff and its share collapse. And he wanted to ask a question, but of course he was sitting on the wrong side of the tape, so he wasn't allowed <laughs> to. <laughs> but I was impressed by ESCOM's pension fund representative who was in Amsterdam and was asking questions about the independence of the new board members. They've got two boards. They've got a supervisory board and a management board. That's just according to Dutch law because the parent company He's registered there. And he was asking about the independence because, as far as he's concerned, some of them have been there for more than nine years. And King Four, 
the Bible on good corporate governance says you may not stay longer than nine years because at that point you're part of the furniture and your independence is in question. Mm. Now, uh, and, and also yeah. PwC, sorry to rush you, Gabe, but PwC today telling um, shareholders, well, if you're expecting to get any clarity from us anytime soon as to what went wrong at Steinoff, well, you better be patient because there is such a cat- catastrophic mess in the financials that it's going to take them at least until the year end to sort at least half the story out. Absolutely. End of the year. And that would be a substantial sort of completion of the investigation. It might not be over by then. And the problem proof being they're dealing with so many documents, 4.4 million records, 300,000 documents have been scanned in from hard copies. Those are all in the mix. And they've been doing interviews here and abroad. Uh, We didn't hear whether Marcus Eustace is among those people who've been interviewed, and he certainly wasn't here today. But I think that that is part of the issue. They've also found PwC confirmation that there is a pattern that has gone on for years uh, of these of these material overstatements of the assets. So, um, you know, major problems, but we don't know how it all came about. Deloitte is also the new auditors. So, I mean, they remain as auditors. They've been reappointed, but not for long. And they're just critical to get these uh, 2015 to 2017 results out. Gay Davis, thank you very much at our first AGM, the Steinhoff AGM, a bit of a damp squib, a bit of an affair, but we get a bit more detail. The most telling thing that came out of that AGM, the pattern of transactions that led to the overstating of profit and asset values over a period of time. And maybe that's why the auditors didn't pick it up, because it was consistent, it was regular, and if you start a fraud small enough and early enough, you can perpetuate that fraud for years and years and years before it goes bad. I'll get the views this evening of somebody who watches markets very, very closely. His name is Gary McNamara. We'll talk to him about the AGM today. We'll talk to him also about the other big story, and that is detail on the big old mutual breakup. All of that is coming up in the next 10 minutes or so. The Money Show on your number one news and talk station. Well, if you pay attention to the messaging around the economy right now, there's some very clear signs of radically changing attitudes and approaches by government to encourage investment, to get growth that will create the jobs and the economic opportunities that are so desperately needed in our country. Lots of talk around the deep need for structural reform in South Africa. And today, a detailed document from the DTI on precisely that. Minister of Trade and Industry Rob Davies with us from the University of Johannesburg, where the UJ Industrial Development Think Tank Minister has been talking this radical new direction South Africa does need to take to be to properly industrialize. What is the DTI's thinking now on what we need to do um, to get industrialization going again? Yes, uh, first of all, let me say that the report is from the uh, Industrial Development Think Tank, not from the DTI. Uh, and uh, it is saying a number of things that uh, we agree with about bringing about structural transformation in our economy, uh, we've had an economy that's too concentrated, an economy uh, that has been losing ground in terms of its value-added activities, uh, an economy where uh, uh, there are too few opportunities in the productive economy for too few people. I think that's the uh, reality that we've been trying to grapple with for, for some years. What I do think is happening now is that the uh, opportunities of the new dawn uh, need now to uh, require a focused attention in terms of how do we use the 
better atmosphere, the better uh, um, uh, uh, willingness of investors uh, and others uh, to participate. How do we use those uh, uh, opportunities now uh, to to move much more decisively uh, towards industrializing and reindustrializing our economy? Because we have had, I think, a number of policy tools in place. And in a little while, we will be launching the next iteration of our industrial policy action plan. Uh, and since this is the 10th one, we'll be doing our own review where we think that some of the policy levers have worked, uh, but not at sufficient scale, uh, without sufficient coordination across government, uh, without sufficient uh, uh, centrality of uh, bringing about the structural transformation that the economy needs. And one of the great difficulties in South Africa is that we need quick and demonstrable change. We need to, people need to feel that there is a benefit coming through really quickly. But critics will point to failings in education in particular, the so-called STEM subjects. Real structural change needs to be happening both at the same time as it's happening really quickly, also happens to be happening slowly in the background as well. It's got to be a multifaceted approach. Yes, indeed. I think that uh, the opportunities for a quicker demonstrable change arise from the fact that we've been underperforming our peers. Uh, A lot of that's got to do with questions of governance, questions of perception, uh, low consumer confidence, low investor confidence. And I think a turnaround on that should be able to raise our growth rates uh, significantly. And that will be a a better terrain for us to confront the issues and challenges of a structural nature, which is how to get our growth rates higher to a higher level and its character to be more inclusive. Uh, so that we can achieve uh, the, the kinds of uh, you know, major reductions in poverty, unemployment uh, and inequality that uh, we, uh, we need to achieve. South Africa is a far more open economy than it was back in 1994 when manufacturing was 21% of GDP. We had to manufacture a lot more of our own stuff back then. But today, as a percentage of GDP, which is much higher than it was in 1994, manufacturing is only 13%. What are going to be the baby steps we need to take in order to get manufacturing up to what should be a a 20% 20 percentage point part of of GDP? Well, I think that uh, uh, some of the the, uh, things that we've been trying to do are probably part of it. Uh, Identify sectors, deploy uh, tools from government, achieve much more stronger and more meaningful partnerships with uh, investors, the private sector, uh, in in manufacturing in, in this case. Uh, and uh, get a, a general greater understanding across the society as a, whole, uh, as a whole of the importance and significance of achieving these sound changes. I think also that the uh, continental free trade agreement, the, uh, which is at this stage still just a framework, but the overall approach of moving towards establishing large regional markets, uh, which will uh, be able to support uh, deeper industrial development, much greater diversification. Uh, and uh, I think all of this uh, is providing us with some of the uh, well, opportunities uh, for us to take forward our goal of moving our economy into a much more value-added space. Critical, critics of the South African economy talk about concentration. The, this report talks about concentration. Um, too much in the hands of too few, you refer to it as well. We know it is a reality in South Africa. The trouble is we've got to deal with that concentration without removing the incentive of the big established players to keep on doing what they do, while at the same time ensuring that they create an environment in which smaller players can also thrive. How do we get a quid pro quo, a balance with established industry to make sure that they are prepared to participate in this? 
Well, I think that uh, the the new um, competition legislation that's been finalised and uh, should be uh, uh, coming to Parliament fairly soon uh, is very, very carefully crafted to try to achieve exactly that. Uh, so, you know, where we have uh, concentrations that hamper entrance, uh, that uh, lead to uh, all kinds of behaviour which is undesirable, uh, there will be now the opportunity for those concentrations to be directly addressed instead of just penalties for behaviour. I think that's a, a, an important departure uh, because, uh, as everybody has been saying, this concentration and over-concentration of the South African economy has been one of the barriers to growth. Even the IMF has been saying that for years uh, in their Article 4 reports. So I think this is something that is, uh, is imperative for us to address. We also are trying to do things through uh, some of the conditions that we put, including conditions on black economic empowerment, uh, to try to emphasize those aspects of uh, supplier development and enterprise development so that we start to get value chains where people uh, at the top of those value chains are looking actively uh, to bring in new players uh, as suppliers or actually maybe as uh, downstream distributors uh, of uh, the products that they're involved in. I think that's the kind of direction we need to move in. Uh, often government is accused of getting in the way and often different parts of government don't collaborate effectively. A key example this week was when what business saw as an obstacle to, yes, the youth employment service, the 2.5% payroll levy uh, to get BE points for participating in, yes. It was quite refreshing to see a very quick turnaround uh, that the DTI is making that participation once again less onerous. I mean, this is the sort of, it, it seems to be a new spirit of collabor- collaboration in order to get positive outcomes. Yes, I mean, indeed. I mean, the uh, the, the, the new codes are, are allowing for the uh, rewards for participation in the ESO, or in any case, out for public participation, um, public comment. Uh, so uh, it's not uh, the final uh, score yet. But uh, when we saw that that was there, I think it was an inadvertent uh, uh, intrusion and uh, trying to do too many things at once. Uh, we, we, we thought we should immediately send the message out, uh, which we've done in our statement. Mm. And, uh, of course, we look forward to further comments on the, uh, on the, on the proposal because uh, we do uh, agree with uh, everybody else in government, of course, is that uh, this YES initiative, which is a partnership, is, is addressing a very, very critical question of getting uh, you know, um, up to a million over three years, um, young people into uh, some kind of internship uh, and or uh, opportunity as a small enterprise. Mm. So I think that these things are, 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 you know, this is a very, very important program. We want to make sure that it's a success. Well, good news on that particular front. How do we as a country become, I don't know, more Rwandan in our approach to helping and supporting and nurturing and developing and starting and growing small businesses and encouraging startups than we have well, well, let me, let me just say in, in, in our turf, we, we, we've been supporting actively and directly 108 now as the final total uh, for the financial year at the end of the March black industrialists. And these are people that we have gone out and we've had quite tough uh, criteria uh, to get onto the program to show you are an industrialist, that you've got the risk involved, you are personally involved uh, in the company and so on. And uh, I think that uh, what we need to do now is we need to take some of those. This is the discussion we're having now. Take some of the existing ones and take them yet a step further forward. So that we have a progression. Uh, so we don't just be, we're not just having programs only for entrance and then they don't go uh, further, further up. 
But at the same time, I think that uh, uh, the emphasis on, on smaller business, deconcentrating the economy, uh, creating uh, many more incentives as well as uh, nudging people towards uh, 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 enterprise development, supply development and value chain approach, I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that, that should uh, create a more fertile ground for the emergence of productive sector small businesses. Trade and Industry Minister Rob Davies this evening on The Money Show. The Money Show. The Markets. So they call the founders of the first RAND group the Three Musketeers, but actually that's a little bit deceptive because a bit like the Beatles, there was once another member uh, that very few people actually do remember. The other Beatle, of course, was the drummer Pete Best, who was replaced by Ringo Starr. Now, the other Musketeer, Pat Goss, was an original team member who left when they were still a very, very small outfit called RCS, and they um, he went off to go and run the family cash-and-carry business in the Eastern Cape when his dad died. And they, the, the, the other founders of the First Rand Group let him keep his shares, provided he kind of consulted to them and helped them out when they needed it. And over the last 40 years, he's served on so many First Rand boards um, that he's part of the furniture. Well, that's Pat Goss, of course, and uh, he he then created a gap for Paul Harris to join GT Ferreira and Laurie Dipnard, and they formed a formidable team that created the first round group. And today, the last of the founders of the first round group retiring, both Pat Goss and Paul Harris hanging up there. What do bankers hang up? 31702-31567. I don't know what bankers would hang up. What would they hang up? Uh, 31723, whatever it is that bankers hang up when they retire. Let me know. It's not a stethoscope. It's You can't hang up a calculator. I don't know. What do bankers hang up? 31702-31567. The Markets. Gary McNamara from Sunlum Private Wealth. Um, we see today the Steinoff AGM, a painstaking reconstruction of numbers from Steinoff, exposing the depth and the, the extent of the crookery, I suppose, but we still don't know how big and how dark and how deep, other than it's all of those things. And I like the word painful, Bruce. It's been yeah. a long road and it's been a difficult road. And I think we were all hoping to get some sort of answers on the financial side in the next month or two, uh, that was certainly the feeling in the market. But the appearance from PwC is that it's going to be a bit longer than that, which is a bit disappointing from that side. But it, but it does expose just the complexity of the fraud that was perpetuated here. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it, it's been a long and ongoing process. And uh, it's a difficult one because people have been seriously burnt on, on this share and uh, they want answers. And I think there's quite a lot of vested interest and I think people are feeling a little bit vulnerable so I think they are also trading very carefully which is also not helping the issue because nobody wants to put the best foot forward. So what, what, what I find bizarre is people feel really hard done by there's so much anger there's so much outrage and yet a handful of people turn up to the to the uh, Cape Town Convention Center for the AGM for the live stream AGM from Amsterdam it's almost as if they've given up on this. Yeah, I think there was certainly an expectation of a mudslinging match uh, at the AGM today. And I think the main uh, focus was probably because it was held in Amsterdam. I think if it was held in South Africa, I think you'd have had a lot more uh, participation. And it's always very difficult to participate over a video stream or a video conference. So, yeah, uh, from that side, I think it was interesting nonetheless. But certainly the expectations was a far more robust AGM than actually what materialised. 
I mean, is this business going to stay solvent? Is it inevitable that it's going to get broken up and the constituent parts, the good bits, sold off to buyers? And um, you know, if there's any money left at the old, at the end of it, once we discover the liabilities in terms of the off-balance sheet assets that Marcus Uster created over time, um, that that money might get uh, spread around to shareholders? Or can they keep it together, I wonder? I would like to think so, Bruce. You know, it was a substantial business. Uh, and if you look at the underlying operating entities, they are still operating uh, amongst uh, turbulent clouds, but uh, they're still operating nonetheless, and operationally some of them are still doing quite well. So the extent of the fraud, nobody knows, and this is the problem. And the longer it goes on, the more difficult it is to actually try and establish value in the business, uh, because you're operating in a business where you don't have answers. So Mm. I would like to think there's value, but it's anybody's guess until we get the financials, and it doesn't look like we're going to get them anytime soon. (laughs) Uh, a very big and very detailed series of announcements today from Old Mutual and Nedbank and other companies associated with this managed separation of the Old Mutual group. Um, and then they're going to list Old Mutual Limited on the JSE in June. That's going to be the future of the Old Mutual business once it, it bails on London. Yeah, this is one we've been watching for a while and have seen some significant value in it. And it probably talks to the... Uh, uh, probably a bit of an indictment on management on a longer-term basis that uh, there's more value in the unbundled entity than there is in the consolidated entity. And it's it's probably been a history of South African companies going overseas and not probably buying the best assets and not being as dominating as they would like to be. And if you look at really the breakup of the group, the, the, the real value in the assets is where they originally originated from, the, the insurance side and the local operation, the emerging market insurance. And then, as you say, the Nedbank uh, business. But I think there certainly is value, and I think it's probably the right move to break up the group. Yeah, well, it's happening, and uh, it's finally good to see some of that detail coming through. It's been a very, very long, slow process. Some interesting pairs of gainers on the week, Pick and Pay and MassMart, Clicks and Diskem, Netcare and MediClinic. But perhaps the most interesting is this extraordinary and complicated story of Hammerson and Intu, two UK property companies listed on the JSE, on and off and on and off again. They're like a teenage romantic couple. Um, they can't seem to, whether or not to, to go out to, to, the, to the dance together. No, that's exactly right. And there was also the French uh, c- company that yeah, was yeah. that's yes. correct that was making the, the advances on Hammerson while they were trying to uh, have Make a deal with Intu. That's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the problem with a lot of these property stocks uh, overseas is that there's quite a lot of value by a, a net asset value if you look at the, the, the properties that they own and things like that. But property per se is in quite a tough space and particularly in the, the UK market, you look at something like an into where e-commerce is probably the most dominating factor in that market. It's up to about 15% of commercial sales, whereas in the rest of the world, it's less so. And places like into they've got great assets and trading at big discounts, so it's very attractive for people to come and buy them. But the outlook looks uncertain, and Hammerson was really looking to bulk up the business uh, for, from that side. But, you know, I don't know the detail on why they've broken away from each other, but I see both shares were a little bit better today, which is interesting. But I think both of them are actually offering quite good value if you look at the underlying assets. And Gary McNamara from Sunlum Private Wealth wrapping up some of the big stories today on the markets. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. 
Still coming up this evening, before we go to Sports Talk, we got the best bits for you. And that's a way of encouraging you to, if you've missed something, to go and you know, download our podcast, have a listen to the podcast, share the podcast. And there are lots of interviews this week that you may want to share or even listen to again yourself. So we'll do that in just a moment and we'll play the Brutal Biz Quiz. On the next Money Show, we're talking to our regular business book reviewer, Ian Mann, talking about dying for a paycheck, how modern management harms employee health and company performance and what we can do about it. It's a really important perspective, especially when you look at, uh, there's even a Japanese word for working yourself to death. Have you? Are you at risk of doing that? You better not miss Ian Man. Plus, join me, Make Money Mondays. 702 and Cape Talk, The Money Show. Friday nights on The Money Show. If you've missed anything on The Money Show and you want to catch up on it, you can listen to our podcast. You can either ask your um, electronic assistant on your smartphone to, to direct you there and to say to your electronic assistant, please play, say please, because it works better, uh, the latest Money Show podcast. And then it does. It's very, very good, especially on Apple. Now, listen, uh, Finance Minister Ntlanta Nene, he's been in uh, Washington, D.C. this week at meetings of the IMF and the World Bank. It's the spring meetings um, at the same time as the president was in London at the Commonwealth held Heads of Government meeting. And you just watch the demeanor of our political leadership right now, just listening to Rob Davies, who refers to the new dawn earlier this evening. And you just get a sense that there's a new work ethic, there's a new sense of seriousness about the state of South Africa and how much work has to be done in order to drag ourselves out of the bottom of the cesspit of uh, a failing economy. And it's great to see, and it's great to see the hard work being done. But I spoke to Nene last night. I asked him, when are we going to see the fruits of all of these meetings and roadshows and talk shops, and when is it going to turn into cold, hard cash? It is when we operationalize all of the things that are on the table. As we move towards the BRICS presidency, as we were talking with some of the countries, and including ourselves, struggling, the fact of the matter is that we need to create an environment that's conducive to attracting outside investment uh, into our countries. And uh, we are actually uh, going to be, you know, adding up the numbers in terms of that. It is uh, also when uh, SADC uh, steps up its uh, uh, regional integration agenda, which uh, is actually shape, taking shape as we speak, because there are a number of uh, practical um, initiatives that are underway already. And um, it does take a bit of time, Bruce, but um, I would want to believe that... Uh, the stage is set and uh, there is a clear commitment from uh, all the players because at the end of the day, unless we actually do something about our challenges, uh, we are going to uh, continue uh, talking about these things. But uh, when we mobilize resources for infrastructure development um, across the region, but also across the uh, emerging economy, there is appetite also because once you have... Uh, created that environment as I spoke about our confidence, you are better, you're in a better position to attract this investment. And we're very excited about the President's uh, initiative with regard to um, the 100 billion rent uh, drive. And um, we are going to be working flat out to ensure, and uh, this is going to be monitored uh, quite uh, you know, closely uh, to see whether it is translating into, into real uh, 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 dollars and rent. 
That's the finance minister, Tlanta Nene, uh, speaking to us from Washington, D.C. this week. Well, VBS Mutual Bank, what a catastrophe this is turning out to be. The curator on The Money Show earlier this week updating us on the progress of the curatorship. And it becomes very clear that they've got a big problem. Remember, there were two of the auditors of VBS Mutual Bank who had also been ordered partners on other financial services audits. And uh, Anush Rupalal is the uh, curator of VBS. Mutual Bank, and I asked him whether or not they can actually guarantee all deposits within VBS. Well, if you're an individual depositor, uh, uh, you would have access to the money, but you will be subject to the limitation of only being able to withdraw a thousand. Is my deposit guaranteed, though, Anush? Um, the National Treasury has issued a, a guarantee of 50000 per depositor. Okay. I think one needs to... Doesn't that to, restrict the ability, though, for a successful turnaround of VBS? You're not... Uh, while you're restricting withdrawals and while guarantees are limited to 50,000 rand and while there's uncertainty around the stability of the, of the deposit base around the municipal accounts, doesn't that constrain your ability to turn this business around? Uh, yes, it, it does. Uh, there certainly is the, uh, a constraint. However, we are working very closely with the South African Reserve Bank in order to uh, convert or monetize that guarantee into some sort of a liquid, a liquid facility uh, that will then allow cash to come into the bank. And the idea of that would be to it will allow me as a curator to focus on what I believe to be the core of the bank, and those are the retail depositors. Uh, there is a, a mortgage book, a mortgage advances book, as well as a vehicle finance book uh, that would act as security for any funds that would come uh, from the National Treasury, if any. Uh, but that would be a positive step uh, in, in then getting back to the core of the bank and resuscitating the bank. The VBS Mutual Bank curator Anush Rublal. Well, Kimi Makweta was taking no prisoners this week. The Auditor General spitting mad at KPMG and Nkonki for their being complicit in dodgy audits. I asked him what the two companies need to do to regain public trust once again. Let's have, let's have a look at Nkonki. <clears throat> Nkonki has, as you know, entered into a transaction recently where there's been a change in ownership. And uh, when we ask questions and we've had interactions with them you know, on this matter, and we, we cannot get to the bottom of exactly what was this about, what is it, what has changed and all of that. So we would like them to get to the bottom of that matter, answer it, so that once they get to the answer, we can then reassess whether indeed there has been a compromise of independence in respect of what they do. Because the reality is that if you don't do anything, anybody who reads the audit reports that are signed by them on their behalf is going to ask questions of us. And so when you look at a decision like this, clearly a decision that has taken a long time to make, the straw that broke the camel's back with the events certainly for KPMG over the weekend, it's a serious decision. It's a decision that could affect the relationship of KPMG with other government departments, certainly with other private sector players as well, because if the Auditor General of the Republic of South Africa is not prepared to do business with them, that questions their overall credibility very strongly. Do you accept that this could be uh, the death knell for either one or both of these companies? Let's put it this way. The overall credibility of the accounting and, pro- and auditing profession in South Africa is in the gutter. And I think if we want to look at what is it that is happening here, we need to look at the big picture and look at what is it that is doing to all of us as auditors and accountants. And it's possibly about time that all of those practitioners stand up and deal with this matter decisively. Because it's not, it's not, it's not a matter pertaining to the action of the AG versus one entity. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the entire system. Once people do not trust 
what comes out of South Africa, it will have far-reaching implications for all of us as citizens. Kimi Makwetu, the Auditor General of the Republic of South Africa, his deputy is the sister of this week's shapeshifter. How crazy is that? Basani Maluleke was our shapeshifter, the new chief executive of African Bank. She told us uh, on Wednesday night how her parents had introduced her and her siblings to hard work and responsibility early on in uh, in their youth. And so many of you that I've seen this week since that interview have described it as one of the most inspiring you've heard in a long time. Basani Maluleke. Because my family owns a number of grocery shops. Um, in a number it of was grocery child shops. labor. It was completely child labor. I mean, I started off packing shelves and packing plastic bags and gradually graduated to becoming a cashier and, you know, um, you know, working with inventory. So that's just from, from a young age, we had to learn to be diligent and to just, um, you know, not have a vacation and work. My father's view was, look, you'll, you'll rest when you're dead. So um, get on with it. <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> Very. But, but, no, but, but tough, but good tough. I mean, the, one gets a sense of great deal of fondness in your family. I mean, the warmth um, in your family is strong. It's incredible how that is. It's so true. We, we love each other. We adore each other. We spend a lot of time together. Um, and that is really credit to the fact that my mother, my mother just was not interested in us fighting. I mean, I remember her... When she'd notice that my sister, my sister and I weren't talking, she would literally like lock us in a room and be like, fix it, whatever it is, you're not walking out of here until you're friends again, you know? So we'd always known that we had to do it. And one of, one of the things that my father really was very, very um, strict about later on in life, because we all would have challenges, you know? You'd have a setback and you'd like um, be very disappointed and want to hide in your room or in your, in your home for, for days and end. And he would force each of us to call whoever was having a hard time, you know? He'd be like, have you called so-and-so? You should really go and see this one. You know, I'm really worried about your sister. Oh, no, your brother's really having a hard time. You should go, go attend to that, you know? Mm-hmm. As a result, we've learned to be responsible for each other um, and to be accountable for each other's well, success. Fabulous discussions this week here on The Money Show. Really worthwhile spending some of your time this weekend downloading and listening to our podcast. Basani Maruleke, the new chief executive at African Bank. The Money Show. The best quiz. Time to play the Brutal Biz Quiz on a Friday night. We do like this lovely wrap-up. It reminds you of what we've done and also tests how well you've been listening and whether or not you can interpret some of the tales we tell on The Money Show from Monday to Thursday. 011-883-702-021-446-0567. There's a newly named country nearby to the... Uh, where, where Mozambique is to its northeast. South Africa borders it south, north, and west. What is the name of this country? The new name of this country, please. On three, on oh double one eight eight three eight eight three oh seven oh two oh two one four four six oh five six seven. Bragging rights. Whoever is the whiz of the brutal biz quiz this evening. The Money Show. The Biz Quiz. What's the name, the new name of the landlocked country? It's got Mozambique to the northeast and South Africa on the south, the west and the north of it. Modise, what's the name of this country? The name is Eswatini Kingdom, sir. Eswatini Kingdom, King Mswati III, renaming Swaziland to Eswatini on the 50th anniversary of the country's independence. What do Trevor Manuel, Nkwisi Jonas, Pumzile Langeni and Jacko Marie all have in common, Modise? They're the new investor envoys for South Africa. Maurice, you've been paying far too close attention. You really do. Um, yep, advisors to President Cyril Ramaphosa would have done. They've got a job in the next five years of getting $100 billion in foreign direct investment into our economy. The discount grocery chain Boxer is part of which larger supermarket group? It's Pick and Pay Limited. Maurice, 
Modisa, you behave like a Stratcom spy. You know everything. Uh, Pick and Pay released results this week and announced Boxer opened a second distribution centre in East London in the second half of this year. Well, what? Which capital is the capital of North West? It's Mahikeng. Mahikeng is absolutely right. President Cyril Ramaphosa still locked in talks this evening trying to bring peace to a very, very volatile situation. <sighs> what is... Now, I can be really mean here. Do I be mean? No, don't be mean, Sam. Yeah. They've gone soft. What is the economic capital and the largest city in Côte d'Ivoire? Uh, it's Abidjan. Abidjan. Okay, this doesn't count. This doesn't count, Modisa. But what is the political capital? It is... Uh, bo- 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 Boema, is it? No. Ya, Yamusukuro. Yamusukuro? Yamusukuro. Y- Yamusukuro, yes. Yamusukuro. Okay, Yamusukuro. Okay, thank you. Because you help me with pronunciation, Mudise, uh, I'll let you live. Um, which company had an AGM today to which very people bother turning up? Uh, it's a spin-off. Mudise, six. Out of six, what a superstar Mudisa is this evening. And he hasn't given anybody else a chance to play. So Mudisa is not a is not a giver. He's not a team player. He's all in it for himself. But what a spectacular performance. We haven't had a six out of six in a long time. Mudisa, you're the whiz of the Brutal Biz quiz. Uh, you can go uh, this weekend, get a T-shirt made for yourself um, and say, I am the whiz of the Brutal Biz quiz. You can wear it with pride. You can tell your friends. You can tell your family. You can put it on your Facebook page. You can tweet about it. I am the whiz of the Brutal Biz Quiz. And there were some mean questions in there. Well done to you, Modise, this evening on The Money Show. The Wiz of the Brutal Biz Quiz. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. Well, that's it from The Money Show for today and for this week. I hope you've enjoyed catching up with some of the best stories of the week and you've enjoyed our discussions and enjoyed our interactions. Thank you for your SMSs and your tweets and your calls, uh, keeping us in the loop as to what you're up to. Bruce W. at 702 or Bruce W. at Cape Talk. If you've got some bright ideas as to what you would hear, like to hear more of on The Money Show, put in your five cents worth and let's see whether or not it's a workable idea that we can um, execute on The Money Show for you. Uh, we look forward to getting that sort of correspondence from you. The rand this evening is looking pretty, uh, pretty happy. To the pound at sixteen ninety seven, the dollar twelve oh eight or thereabouts. The euro fourteen eighty six. Um, the big, the big one, the important one, the confidence barometer for South Africa. The R one eight six government bond sitting at eight percent. It's yeah, pretty good space that South Africa is in right now. It's us. It's ours to mess up. So this weekend, here's your challenge. Here is your challenge. Find a way this weekend to help grow the economy. And then share your ideas with us next week. That'd be nice. Have a good weekend. Good night.